Hello and welcome to In the Weeds. We're recording live from the Picky Weeds Esoteric Occult Boutique, located just south of Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, in beautiful South Abington Township. Picky Weeds is the largest and most diverse boutique of its kind in Northeast Pennsylvania, with an increasingly wide variety of items for many traditions. In addition to items for sale, Picky Weeds hosts a wide variety of classes, events, and community-driven gatherings throughout the year. Picky Weeds is located at 105 Layton Road, South Abington Township, PA. Open Wednesday through Sunday, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. More information can be found at www.pickyweeds.com. That's P-I-C-K-E-Y-W-E-E-D-Z.com or on our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. In the Weeds is the official podcast for Picky Weeds, where we strive to bring the community together with topics of interest, guest speakers, and informative discussions to benefit the entire community. If you'd like to be a guest speaker, either live or remote call-in, please visit www.pickyweeds.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page, find In the Weeds podcast guest application, click it, Copy and paste the text into an email with your contact information and send it to us at pickyweeds at gmail.com. Now, now let's, let's get, get in, in the, weeds. the weeds. Hi, guys. Welcome to the very first episode of In the Weeds, the Picky Weeds official podcast. Hey! Hey! hey. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today, um, we always get asked a myriad of questions about how we got started, you know, what got us started on the path, what made us want to open a store, you know, what our vision for Picky Weeds was. We've been asked that a couple times. Um, we've also tried several times to open a store. <laughs> um, and then we finally get this one open after all those tries and shut down during covid Right away, like 19 days after we opened. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> the first four years, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, and then bigger store and, yeah, bigger problems. Um, and books that got us started. But where we want to start now is what you guys always, always, always ask is how we get started on the path. So, John, how about you? How did you get started on the path? Well, I got started back in 1990, 1991. Um you know, I grew up in Michigan before that, of course, uh, rural Michigan, very rural, blinky lake town. Um, so there was nothing around but woods and fields and cricks and all kinds of things to occupy your time. Um, but as far as like actual stepping foot on the craft would probably be credited to uh, one of my very good friends still um, that I uh, met while I was working in the Department of Corrections. Um, we both worked in uh, the prison system for the state of Michigan in Detroit and um, noticed he had this very odd shaped pendant on his neck. And uh, it was something, you know, I saw with, you know, like music videos with metal bands and stuff. So I was like, what is that? And it kind of sparked a conversation that has continued uh, till this day. So, um, you know, he, uh, he was an initiated in a fam familial tradition. And um, I later became initiated in that as as well. Um, so lots of uh, lots of learning and still learning as we continue. How about you? Well, with me, people are always asking, and I, I kind of tend towards 
you know, starting with, you know, practicing or dabbling. We won't call it practicing. It was dabbling. Let's call it what it was. <laughs> with an Ouija board and various other, like, scrying, things like that. Always a good idea. Yeah. Stupid. Stupid, stupid, <laughs> stupid. Don't do it. Um, but honestly, I had to take a really long look at it. I had some really bad early tra- childhood trauma um, at 18 months of age. My cousin was hit by a a semi while holding my hand walking down the middle of 15501 in the middle of the night and she was decapitated right in front of me and I got thrown up into the air and narrowly missed by a woody station wagon coming the other way (sighs) and I ended up in the ditch and her head landed in the ditch in front of me so of course um, I woke up with nightmares every night screaming the baby's head is hurt and so you learn how to self-soothe. You learn how to um, get out of that somehow astral out or have friends. Like I talked to willow trees um, that scraped the window. The willow tree appeared to have light in it, which I found really interesting. And that was um, the lady that narrowly hit me said that a light literally picked me up out of the middle of the road and lifted me and set me over into the ditch. And it was the brightest light she'd ever seen. And I consider that my first introduction to what I call dad. Um, So the dream stopped pretty much when I was about seven and started back again when I was about 14. And I guess that coming into puberty, that's pretty normal thing for trauma to resurface. Or so I was told. And mom decided to talk to people about it, talk to some psychologists and stuff about it. And it was suggested that I learn how to lucid dream. So that's where I really actually began my journey into lucid dreaming. And I think that just kind of opened up a whole world for me. So I decided I thought it was pertinent to start dabbling with a Ouija board. (laughs) Yeah, so a friend and I got ourselves in some serious trouble with that. But um, first books, lucid dreaming. What about you, John? First books? And Ouija boards, not a toy. (laughs) Yeah, not a toy. Um, Not for the faint of heart. I know it's made by Parker Brothers, but um, it's not not Monopoly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, first books I started at the end. So, you know, walking into, we didn't have very many uh, occult stores or esoteric stores in Michigan. Um, There was one in Flint that uh, was more ceremonial based, which was maybe had something to do with my continued fascination with ceremonial magic. Um, but my first book was the big yellow brick, golden dawn, uh, system of magic. And then, uh, followed closely behind by the other doorstop, uh, book four, the big blue book by Crowley. So yeah, go ahead and start at the end. <laughs> Worked well. So you met, and I'm going to name you Chris. Are you listening? You met Chris. And you got into it. And I just kind of waffled around out there by myself in North Carolina in the evangelical South. Um, I've been called every name in the book. So those of you calling me devil worshipers these days, not new. Not new at all. Very, very used to that statement. Limited imagination. Very limited. Very backward. Um, You haven't lived till you've been through an exorcism (laughs) or two or three or four or five. So we didn't have anything. You had at least... What was it? Was it, where'd you buy your first book? What store was it? Do you recall? God, I don't even remember the name of the place. Wasn't it in Flint? It was in Flint. Um, I don't know. I, I just keep thinking of the stores in Lansing. I know there was Mountain Books and uh, Triple Goddess were the were the two big ones. Uh, but this was just before then. I, I had just met Chris and 
I didn't want to drive all the way to Lansing. It was like an hour drive. So I found that place. It was very, very small. Like most, most stores like that, especially back then, they were just, just a tiny little hole in the wall place. But the, the people that owned it were very, very nice and um, uh, very knowledgeable. So that left a pretty good impression. I was there quite a bit. That's a good first example of ceremonial practitioners owning a bookstore. That's yeah. yeah, yeah. How about that? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Weird how history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you were lucky though. I didn't. I think our only bookstore was a Christian bookstore, owned and operated by Grace Christian Church. Oh, bless their hearts. <laughs> bless your heart. So what I learned, I just kind of um, learned from Grandma. You know. Uh, about herbalism and in the natural world was kind of my teacher and a lot a whole a whole lot of dabbling and I don't recommend it because uh if you want a life filled with chaos action and trauma mm-hmm. <laughs> go ahead and dabble Good yeah times. um but John and I actually we met many many years later um we met on something a lot of you may not recognize, and some of the old head listeners out here will. It was a platform called MIRC. It's an internet relay chat platform. John and his friend actually owned a BBS, and they probably found MIRC before I did. And I just kind of stumbled onto it looking for information. And um, at the time, I was really, really interested in druidry. Um, So we met in hashtag druidry on MIRC and he was 900 and some miles away from me in Michigan and I was down in North Kakalaki um, in well sort of the elbow butthole whatever you want to call it of North Carolina the crotch Mm -hmm. um, in a little place in the dead heart of the state in, in, get this, Lee County. Wonder who that was named. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) we met on Internet Relay Chat, and we began um, arguing what is and what is not druidry. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that that went well. (laughs) And then we became really, really close, and we talked for about a year and a half before we ever laid eyes on each other. It was the voice. Yeah, it was the voice. He has a... He has a really sexy no, radio voice. No, no. Yeah. It's like a cow dying in a hailstorm. <laughs> oh, come on, please. Chris Schenkel is your cousin. He was an announcer for bowling that for no many, one's many ever years. heard of. Under <laughs> well, the age of 50. Tom Selleck is also his cousin, so there you go. But, yeah, but. Yeah. I got robbed. <laughs> Shut it. You did not. You got me, damn it. Yeah, anyway, that's how we met. And um, over a year and a half, and through Hurricane Fran, if any of you guys remember that, um, he knew me when. He knew me when a Cat 5 hit the state, and then he had to be terrorized for about two weeks when he couldn't get through on calls, or and we didn't have any internet. Um, and then how long was it after that, John? Was it about six months before he finally came down? No, because Fran was like... October, the first month of October, I think, something around into September, early October, and I came down just before Samhain. Oh, you sure did. You sure did. Because we were, mm. we were in the middle of splitting up and dividing property and all that stuff, and it was kind of crazy. And I moved in with my first ex. Whew. God. It sounds like a bad country yeah, song. Yeah, it is a bad country song. Um, but, is yeah. Is it a good country song? <laughs> no offense. Old dogs and children and watermelon wine. Tennessee That's whiskey, I can yeah, make that. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty good. <laughs> so John decides he's going to come down for a visit. And he's coming down in the in the middle of, oh, my version of, you know, the nine rings of hell or some sh- you know, crazy 
it was chaos. So they were finding out that I had a grove um, in the woods where I went and did ceremony and practiced. Devil um, worshiping. Yes. So I was a devil worshiper. And they told me that John was a devil himself. And he was coming down to North Carolina to take us away and sacrifice my daughter to the Dark Lord. I'm really not yeah. that good at planning. <laughs> that's, that's way too detailed. So we were only going to meet each other for the first time and get to know each other. Because I'd just been recently separated. And I was not in, in ready to step back into anything too immediately and just, you know, take it slow. So I was like, John, I don't know if it's a good idea if you come down here to North Carolina because they're acting crazy. Oh, I'm definitely coming. And they're making threats to kill me and kill you. And um, it's just a mess. This idiot got on, on a well, plane. Well, you know, anyway. anybody from Michigan, if you dare them, I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. Oh, so were you scared? I Don't come down here. It's dangerous. <laughs> I'll be right there. <laughs> were you scared I wouldn't meet you at the airport? No, no. Yeah. You had faith in me? Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> He was, though. He got off the plane. We'd never seen each other, not even a picture. We'd only talked on the phone or on the Internet. And I knew this man the minute he stepped off the plane. It was I knew exactly who I was looking at. And my first thought was, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's got on boots and he's got his pants legs rolled up. I have just called in the militia from Michigan. <laughs> what the hell? And so I stood behind the guy and watched John as he looked around for me and got nervous that I actually didn't show and stepped out from behind the guy and went, John. I figured at the very least I was going to get really good barbecue before I went home. So it worked out. <laughs> Best barbecue. Oh, anywhere. there is no other barbecue. I'll argue with The North Carolina long. barbecue. Sorry. <laughs> I've been to Texas. Nah. <laughs> nah. So we said about taking John around and introducing him to some of my actual friends that you know, that weren't trying to kill me. So <laughs> my family, on the other hand, the guy I was married to, they'd had about nine preachers in and in the recent year trying to do exorcisms on me, for, which for me is like bringing me cat toys because I did about 21 years in theology just to be able to fight back with these people. So it was a lot of fun for me to get them in there and go explain this explain this passage in the Bible and, you know, and your God's a really groovy dude. I mean, Ruth just turned around to look at the home she left and got turned to a pillar of salt. Nice guy. Yeah. Sign me up. You know, but good times. It was kind of that kind of thing, but he came down and we did the rounds and then I forget where we were. We were, we at Susan's when we found out that they were chasing us. Yeah, I think so. And then we went back to um, my ex's house and he said that um, my ex-husband, who I have a legal separation from, and I'm living with my first ex-husband. This is like, you know, this is like a country song itself right here. I was going for the Liz Taylor Award. What can I say? Um, but um, we're back there because my daughter is my first husband's daughter. And so that was the safest place for me to be because everybody was acting like some weird evangelical nut bar. And I was, I was really honestly, I'm, I can make light of it now, but I was in fear for my life at that time. And um, we show up there and he's like, you guys got to get out of here. He's like, your mother gave your ex a gun and they're, he and his brother are out looking for you guys and they're trying to kill you. And so we had to make the absolutely terrible decision to leave my daughter where she was safe and take off in the middle of the night not knowing where we were going. And that's when John called Chris 
and said, we need a place to go now. And we took off for Michigan in the middle of the night. And that's how the two of us crazy kids got together. And we've been together now, God, almost 28 years. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't change a thing. No, no. And, you know, the bad thing was once we made it to Michigan, then the, the family started their nonsense about trying to poison the child's mind and um, trying to keep the child because we's a bunch of devil worshippers up in Michigan. Yeah. Damn Yankees. And uh, so we had to get... Back then, if you were in the craft, you didn't really have... The internet was still a baby, you know. So there was very, very few resources that were uh, regional, much less national. Um, so the Witch's Voice, Witchbox, was probably the biggest network of pagans, um, witches, anything, anything in, you know, in our path. Um, Fritz and Ren. Yeah, Fritz and Ren were wonderful people that ran Witchbox for years. So it was, it was the um, networking page. So, you know, if you were looking for help, if you were looking for a coven, if you were looking for an event, you, everyone went to Witchbox. So Witchbox was one of the first places we reached out to um, and, both of them put us in contact with Lori Cabot in Salem. And uh, I think she got up with a contact of hers in ACLU. I'm not sure the particular order of things. It all kind of happened pretty fast. Um, but there was an ACLU rep down in North Carolina that got involved and uh, apparently scared straight some some uh, Jesus people. Um, yeah. So we were able to to, to get... Um, Tay's daughter up with us to Michigan uh, safely and put that to rest. But it was it was pretty. Uh, people talk about trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my mom was mean to me. I have trauma. No, yeah, no. no, it's actual, actual, actual trauma. Mine tried um, to kill me. I have trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, They tried to before we left. They tried to. Um, well, we're going to flatten them tires, except. Uh, you know, I'm from Flint, <laughs> Detroit, and when we flatten tires there, it involves a sharp object being run into the rubber of the tire, so it doesn't hold air no more. These guys just, you know, put their thumb in the air nozzle. Yeah, mm-hmm. he showed us. <laughs> and her sister showed up with an air tank, and we just pumped the tires back up and left. Yeah. Good plan, Skippy. And Tony. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, that was hilarious. But <laughs> Not the sharpest tools in yeah. the shed. It's funny how if there if you're of that particular dominant religion, you think you're the only people here and the only one with the rights. And it was interesting to watch that get pulled back that you know, and the proof was there that that religious um upbringing is just really, really mind melding and mind bending and destructive, absolutely destructive. And yep. so it's great the, for the ACLU and, and the constitutionally upheld right to freedom of religion is also freedom from religion. Um, you cannot persecute, persecute me. You can try, and a lot of people still do. But if you're smart, get an attorney, play your cards right, fight back. Um, you can win these battles. Just don't try to take them on personally because when they're in that frame of reference from that religiosity, Unfortunately, they believe it all so fiercely and so deeply that they're absolutely deadly. So don't try to fight these battles by yourself. Um, get help and get legal help and teach lessons in the correct and proper way. You yeah, know, it's absolutely. the only way to handle it. Yeah, and so we lived in, we lived in uh, Michigan for uh, a couple of years. Um, 
Lansing area. Uh, there's a there's a great population of pagan folks in that part of the state. Um, there's you know organizations at Michigan State. I Green Spiral. Green Spiral. That was awesome. So mm-hmm. we we uh, attended a couple of those. Uh, it was was great. Um, but you know things happen, and uh, Tay's parents were health not doing well, and they had since reconciled. She had gone down to North Carolina and had a 3 a.m. conversation with mom over, you know. Coffee and chocolate. Coffee and chocolate and Works truth. every time. Coffee, chocolate, and the truth. <laughs> um, so, you know, they they kind of reconciled and everything got tamped down to where they things were back to normal. And uh, we ended up moving back to North Carolina uh, and lived on their sun porch until we could get a, a house. Uh, which incidentally was in their backyard, which is, you know, it's kind of, you know, unusual to move into the backyard of a, not what, a few years earlier were literally trying to shoot you. Well, in her defense, um, mom was an undiagnosed bipolar, um, and my ex knew that, and he was uh, crying drunk, so he was very, very, very manipulative, Yeah. and he terrorized her. Um, I, would, I had been seeing a doctor for having had a nervous breakdown. Imagine that. Um, I woke up one night and couldn't put on clothes for the skin, on, the skin hurt and the hairs hurt, yeah. and I had a nervous breakdown. So I went on this medication that caused me to lose about 28 pounds in the span of a month, and so he used that as an excuse that I was doing drugs and that I was in with a bad crowd and you could see it because I was losing weight and I was looking like I was dying and they were draining me spiritually and that was killing me. There was a whole litany of just crap that he fed her. And being in the condition that mom was in and having come from the horrible, horrible, abusive upbringing that mom came up in, immediately that's where the mind goes. It snaps to the worst case scenario, the worst possible thing you could possibly believe is happening and chaos ensued. And so I'm, I blame them more for using that part of mom against her and against me than I'll ever blame her. So after we had that long conversation, and I recommend distance from family when you're in these toxic relationships, it helps. And the longer you can bear up the distance and gather up your wits, <clears throat> the better off you're going to be when you sit down to have that conversation with them. And when you have that conversation, please, I know that you're angry with the religion and you hate the religion, but understand it's the only thing they know. And it's what they've been taught their entire lives. And they're repeating by rote everything their parents and their grandparents did before them so it's the only right thing that they know to them it's the right thing well they were never taught to yeah. question yeah you know it was just you, you were know, taught not to actually your parents were the authority figure yeah. and grandparents and you know it went back generations so you know we come from the do what you're told you know, yes. generation so your parents you you know when you were especially a little kid you looked at them like the fountain of knowledge now that we're older, we know adults don't know shit. Yes, I certainly don't know shit. <laughs> don't listen to me. I don't know, what the, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> but um, no, to have these conversations with them after you've had some distance and you've had some time to heal yourself and, and think it through rationally. Because if you go like I did and have this conversation with them when you're just absolutely livid that they would think that of you and think that way of you, you're only going to make the gap wider. You're only going to make the situation worse. So when you find yourself in a toxic situation, get out. 
get out. I don't care where you got to go. We have resources if you need to come to us. We're actually a designated safe space here in the county. So come to us and we will help you find some place to be where you can gather your thoughts and get your shit together and um, be reasonable when you go back to broach the subject with them. So be reasonable. Um, listen to what they got to say. When you counter, no I mean my, no you, 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 just this is my path. This is what I believe. This is how I practice. This is not an affront to you, and I'm not trying to hurt you, just like I don't think you're trying to hurt me. Right. And have that conversation. And it'll all work out in the wash most times. Not always. Some people are just, I'm sorry, batshit crazy. Sometimes um, it just doesn't. You yeah, know? it just doesn't. And it's best you cut your losses and think about your own sanity, you know, and, and your own path to happiness. And this... Owning yourself and owning your truth and walking it are going to make you happy. No matter what chaos throws at you, you'll yeah, have that. Absolutely. And it's a crutch. So um, I want to move on to move back to North Carolina. Hmm. Um, we did that, like he said, to take care of. Dad was really, really sick. I was really scared because Daddy's my heart. So he's my music. He's my heart. He was Let's my talk muse. about the drive to North Carolina. That was <laughs> lots of fun in the middle of freaking winter. Yeah. February. I spent more time looking at the rocks out the window than I did the road going down. <laughs> this one trucker's daughter went down Fancy Gap, solid sheet of ice, sideways. <sighs> oh, going shit, 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 shit. You shit, wouldn't shit, know shit. it. She might have gone shit, 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 but I thought I was in a dirt track race, except it was on solid sheet of ice and a 7% grade, but it was great. Fancy Gap is beautiful. What are you looking at, John? The rocks. I'm looking at the rocks. That's I, all, because I cannot look at that road ahead of it. It's scary. Now, he says that, but we get down to the bottom, and I've been sideways all the way down this, this grade. Beside a semi who was trying to keep me from tumbling off the other side of the mountain, great guy, stayed right beside me, kept me between his tires the whole way down. And I get into this rest stop, and I go to get out. Some guy's trying to tell me, best piece of driving I've ever seen. You never even left your lane. I get up, and my legs went out from <clears> under <throat> me. They were like rubber. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not driving anymore tonight. It's Talladega nights on ice. Yeah. I was like, Daddy, Daddy, you get in the car, and you drive John. I'm getting in the big truck with the big guy over there. And that was, that was Dale, who had bought, get this, a 53-footer into the middle of downtown Lansing. We lived in the ghetto. Yeah, we did, and I in loved it. But um, it was Main Street in the ghetto in, in Best Michigan. Best neighborhood ever. They were awesome. I love those loved people. Loved that neighborhood. And he backed it in there, and of course all my neighbors were all standing outside watching this trucker, this redneck trucker with a flatbed, backing it into a driveway in the middle of downtown Lansing. To load all of our stuff, including our truck, including our truck, on the back of that trailer. And he did it one time. It was yeah. like like pulling forward, backing up. And it was like, boop, boop. One shot in. and done. Dale's amazing. Jesus. Dale Murchison, we're talking about you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, here in the middle of the podcast, you have a chance to win 10% off everything except consignments. And so it's a secret word, and this is a shot across the bow. And we're going to put all the all the entries in a in a hat and draw one. Uh, yes, probably in uh, probably in a week. So 
Do you want to sign our pact? <laughs> so, activity policy. So pact is the secret word of the podcast. So be sure you write in and tell us what our secret word is. And we'll put you in the hat for 10% off everything except consignments. Yeah, because consignments aren't our stuff. So. <laughs> they belong to somebody else. Yep. Somebody made that stuff. It's theirs. So do you know that back in the day when we were in North Carolina in the quagmire, we ran a, a, a little group called Pacenik Little Group. They were from all over the state. Um, what did it stand for? Goodness gracious, no. Pagan Association of Central, Central and Eastern, Eastern North, North Carolina. Yeah. Tar Heels, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we used to meet at people's houses and we used to meet at parks and stuff like that. And it was just a way to have community. And we would do crafty things and rituals and things like that. Butterflies. Butterflies. Don't, Don't move. move. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> hey, Tony. <laughs> anyway, that was our first jot into actually trying to start a community. And then after the move back to PA and all the crazy-ass evangelicalism, we actually went through a da-da-da an atheist phase we were so fed up if you're hearing snoring that is bella (laughs) she is lying down in her normal position and that is snoring away she's she's really into this podcast it's riveting she's heard this story before whatever Uh, you people are idiots anyway (laughs) anyway so yeah we we went a little we went a little atheistic there for a while um we were just angry you know what angry kids do. Angry kids act angry. Um, I think it was frustration, too, because it's still true today that well, there is a large variety of woo. woo-woo new age books. <laughs> and woo-woo. they have shiny covers and pretty pictures. And and uh, the, the information contained in them is just absolutely trash. trash. Um, so, yeah, uh, you just get frustrated. You know, so there's, you know, there's a few ways to look at paganism and some of them have familial traditions. That's great. That's passed down generation to generation. Um, not everybody has that. So when you're, when you're seeking and we're, we're always seeking, right? So we're still seeking, but especially in the early days, you're, you know, you're just trying to get your hands on something. And back in the early nineties, it was really, really bad. Like there, it, to find something academic, you had to go to the library or to order something from overseas. You might get an old book because all of the new ones were just, Trash. just, just absolute woo yeah. and, and nonsense. And they, they just wrote stuff to sell books. And there were some good ones too. And there's, you know, and then there's some that parts of them are good and the other part is trash. You have to really, really be discerning with, um, some of the books that are out there, especially back then. So I think it's just a, a whole cavalcade of frustration because one of our friends was from Ireland. And when you start talking about, you know, the things that are put out as Irish culture or what they like try to pass off as Celtic and it is nothing like that. You know, the, 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 the gods are from different cultures than different indigenous folks and, it gets very frustrating when you're just trying to have a baseline to, to go on, you know, because well, we don't have a holy book, you know. So yeah. <laughs> you have to you have to do a lot of research and you have to 
kind of develop that questioning attitude. Well, their yeah. holy book actually came from all our practices passed down. Through that goes without saying. You, go. but, yeah. you know, you know. I mean, but but uh, I think that that was at least for myself. It was the frustration of just woo 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 constant nonsense. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Yeah, I'm and just done. So we we got into science, and you know, well, not got into, always have been, but uh, it was kind of a return to um, logic, reason, things like that. And ironically. It was physics and science that brought us back to the spiritual, um, gave us a, a foundation to build on that wasn't made out of sand, so yeah. to speak. Um, you know, you start talking about dark matter and theoretical physics, and I won't begin to pretend that I understand it uh, completely, but, uh, you know, just from a layman's uh, point of view, um a lot of what they're saying is is reinforcing what ceremonial magicians have been and other uh, practitioners of many different paths have been saying for generations. Well, we've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. The things that they saw that they in their experiments that we had seen without any testing equipment other than Mother Nature and ourselves. So, yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, so if we went from being actually initiated into a familial coven um, had do, to do, be a druid. doing the year and a day and yeah we had had to be a witch hill which is like you know we practiced like two two miles back in the woods and uh happens to be the most haunted woods in the state of michigan which we i didn't know at the time i'm sure chris probably did but uh, um he wrote a book about yeah, it yeah so yeah chris wrote a wrote a book about um the witch of seven gables and we've carried it a couple times in the store it's excellent if you haven't read it highly recommend um, but this place, you know, has had magic practiced in it for generations and generations and generations and has a long history of being a haunted place. Uh, it was more than haunted. It was, you know, it's just, we call it humming. Like the whole place just kind of hummed with energy. You felt it the minute you, you drove in, you know, even without even knowledge of it with its reputation, I, I didn't have that knowledge. I was just, this place is really humming. You know, you drive somewhere and you can just feel it. Like you. it's a place of power. So, but you know, we went from that and, and practicing hardcore and all kinds of experiences, which, you know, maybe we can get into in a later episode, but, uh, to atheists and then back to paganism. Um, and, I feel stronger for it. You know, it's, oh, God, yeah. it's almost like, you know, when you, when you've had a, you've had a relationship for a long time and that person turns out to be full of woo and you cut that cord and you walk away and you hit the reset button and you give yourself, you know, a couple of years of a uh, breathing room to, to kind of hit the reset button and then taking another look at it, but this time with a different perspective. So instead of, Oh, please give me the information. It was more, you know, look, I, I, I now know what is nonsense and what is actual vetted information. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to accept your woo anymore, but when you get your hands on actual academic work and thankfully there's been within the last 20 years and especially the last 10 years, I'd say Amazing. Um, we've had some absolutely incredible authors come, come forward and, and their work is, you know, just really well done. Morgan Daimler uh, is one that comes to mind if you're interested in Irish Jake culture. Stratton, Kent. Yeah. So in the ceremonial world, yeah, Jake Stratton Kent. And there's, you know, Stephen. we're fortunate enough in, in this area, and I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but uh, in this area we have Mark Stavish, who's 
just a fount of information. So, and he's been gracious enough to uh, give a few presentations in the store. And um, yeah, so and there's a lot of people that are that are coming up that are rooted in in truth, so to speak. But um, we'll, we'll circle back to uh, Paysnick. We had we had tried to get things moving, and you know, it's you know trying to get pagans together is like hurting cats. The cult of personality. Yeah. So anytime you try to organize religion or spirituality, you end up with yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it worked well for a while. We had a lot of good gatherings, and you know, it was you know met a lot of people that we wouldn't have ordinarily met. So I, I still them. say it was a success. It was some, some until, wonderful folks until psyops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tuning fork check. Um, mm-hmm. But um, anyway, the um, the uh, move to PA was for a job that I was offered in my field, which was corporate security. Um, and uh, we moved up here uh, in 2018. And uh, I know we had 10 days to sell and buy a house. It's insane. So um, we managed to do that. I don't we did live in a hotel for about a month with uh, our daughter and grandson, grandson and two parrots. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can imagine that was that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, waiting for the house to close, um, but I know the first time we drove through the summit, and really when I drove into Pennsylvania, it was like oh, home. home. And you know where we come from in North Carolina, these aren't classified as mountains; these are foothills. But um, <laughs> Sorry, but um, it still has that that feel about it, and the people are still very similar to what we call mountain folks down in North Carolina. And, and there's it's just a, there's a scientific reason for that. Yeah, I, how, how old the place is. Altitude affects attitude. Yes, it does. Um, there, it's just different. And when we drove in the summit, we had looked all over, our poor real estate agent and. Deborah from Classic Properties is a rock star if you need one. This woman worked her tail off for us and just absolutely cannot recommend her enough. Um, but she, uh, we, we were looking at another house and we had to drive through the summit. And I was like, oh, no, this is it. I don't know what it is. It's just a place of power. And we both felt it. Um, uh, been like that ever since. I hated leaving. When I had to travel for work, I hated it. I wanted to be back home. Same. So um, ended up um, working up here remote, uh, both of us, and, you know, corporate life. I don't know if anybody is in corporate, but um, I'm sorry. Yes. My condolences. Yeah. Yeah. If you get lucky enough to have a, have a good uh, manager and good leadership team and good coworkers, you have hit the jackpot because it does not happen very often. Yeah, stick that um, landing. Just, uh, yeah. So, and you know, we had gotten tired of... You know, back in, you know, the early 2000s, mid-2000s when the economic crisis hit, we lost 401ks, we lost savings, we lost our jobs. You know, it was just every time we invested in the company, you know, company made decisions or just maybe it wasn't even the company's fault. The economy just tanked because of other people's greed. Um, but we decided to invest in ourselves. You know, uh, we're tired of being the result of other people's bad decisions try to get laid off every holiday yeah so if you you know if we make a bad decision we own it it's us it's on us 100 percent um and on the opposite if we make the right decision you know it's it's also on us so um we had talked about opening a store for years um looked into it even had a dba in michigan yeah we were we were going to uh, start one in north carolina of all places 
um, and just were never in the position to do it. But I guess thanks to corporate, um, we were able to uh, move forward with that dream. So. Oh, God, yeah. And then we opened Picky Weeds. Yeah. So 19 days before COVID. Yeah, because our timing is freaking awesome. We're so good at this. Yeah, don't come to me for a crystal ball reading. Yeah, no, no, no. Or an astrology reading, because I should have known. I should have seen it coming. <laughs> yeah, I was just so excited to get this going and get out of corporate. Yeah, we had like we had like 10 crystals and three books, and I was like, woo, woo! Look at us. We're, <clears throat> we're big shit Charlie. Right, so... <laughs> Yeah. You have to start somewhere, you know. Um, so we found a little sh- shop. I don't know if anybody's been in our first store, but it was only 600 square feet, and it felt like you were shopping in inside of a packed shipping container. <laughs> <laughs> but it was ours, and we loved her. And um, we we have met some absolutely amazing people Thank along you. the way. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like Tay said, 19 days after our opening day, COVID rolled in. And uh, all the shutdowns, and um, I was still working. Thankfully, I was a remote worker, um, and I could keep working. And uh, Tay was solo seven days a week, and we both would jump in the car and uh, do deliveries or non-contact deliveries, you know, pick up, drop off, whatever we could do. Um, thankfully, in those 19 days, we, we met a lot of people, and... Um, you guys were so excited. Yeah, it and it was, it was just wonderful to meet everyone. Um, loved it. So I guess that there hadn't been a witchcraft shop around here for a great number of years. And if I'm remembering this correctly, and I'm, I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm not, the last one was Whitney with the Goddess Shop or something yeah, of that nature. And then she moved away. And they were just, there was this void. And they were so excited. And we just got the first... The first few weeks we were open, um, we got plowed, and it was amazing because because I met so many of you, you kept me hopping like in a 25-mile radius during COVID shutdown. I drove everywhere, and I met so many of you and saw where you lived and did uh, contactless deliveries and curbside pickups. And if it hadn't been for you, and you all know who you are, um, we would have shut back down. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. we love you for it. Thank 100%. You so, we wouldn't be so here much. if it wasn't for the community. And that, that's never, never, never will leave our minds. Um, and we're, we'll always be grateful for the community. And our whole point with opening this store was our vision wasn't so much a retail store as it was a resource and a community center. Uh, and we're still striving to do that. We've got the bigger floor space now. We, we didn't want to be all the other new age shops that you see. Because we had traveled quite extensively. And every time we would travel with corporate together, um, we would think, look, see what was close to us within a 50-mile to 100-mile radius. Is it close enough? Can we make it out there to visit this occult shop? And we kept finding the same damn thing over and over and over again. Just, you know, the same New Age stuff, the same singing bowls, the same crystals, the same this, the same that. And they, they didn't carry things from other traditions and I was looking for things from other traditions because I'm from other traditions um and I didn't have any fear of traditions that I didn't understand I had this true deep like yearning to learn about them this abiding interest in them because listen it's where we all come from 
And it's what makes us unique and makes us who we are and makes us beautiful and diverse. And it interests me to no end what these other practices are. And I find them all beautiful in their own way. Even those in this area that practice powwow, which, you know, takes a lot of its practices from the Psalms and Christianity. It's beautiful. It's beautiful the way they use it. It's beautiful the reasons for which they use it. And so I wanted to learn those. And I wanted to learn about Santeria. And I wanted to learn about Ifa and Yoruba. And we had a Yoruban community down in North Carolina in Corinth that was beloved. In oh, yeah. the middle of the evangelical South, if anyone said a sideways word about these ladies. Oh, they were oh, they were beautiful people. They would hurt you for saying anything. You would nasty ride about through them. and see the sigils right on the public road. Oh yeah. In, and it was in chalk. Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah it was amazing. And, uh, but they were the healers for all of us. And they were the herbalists and they were farmers and the community loved them and so I came from that background and also came from sort of trying to find my tribal roots because we were brought up, you know, that we were native. Grandma was still practicing when I was little and she was an herbalist, but my mother wouldn't allow her to talk to us about anything other than the herbs. She was kind of funny about it, so we didn't get to really question her about her Native Americanism much. Um, But, yeah, it was one of those things that when we opened the shop, this was the big thing for us was to be open, welcome welcoming and to serve all paths no matter the path and so you really have made it worthwhile you have and then we reopened back on june 5th and we ran for about what three three years there at the small store in the 600 square foot space last six months with no working bathroom thanks yeah no working bathroom that yeah. was great, you it know. Was, it was great. It was a biohazard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to close the store to run to the bathroom. <sighs> that was great. And then we opened the new store, uh, but it was three months in the build-out, so we were working four days a week up there at the old store and building up the new store with Jay. And also the best landlord ever. ever. Oh, my gosh, Josh. Josh. He's amazing. And accountant. Oh, my God. That he is incredible at. But He's yeah, just so J- Jay just basically put all the slat wall in his pocket and threw it up at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't met Jay, he's he's at the store, and we we uh, we we couldn't have done it without him. He's a mountain. Um, <sighs> and and he would like to say, whoever built that building with their horizontal studs, screw you. Yes, he would, and so would I. And <laughs> and whatever the hell you put on those walls for me to have to paint three times and then cure with fans for three weeks. Yeah. But other yeah. than that, yeah. it was great. <laughs> other than me shocking myself just about. And yeah. Jay putting John's electric socket. <sighs> Sparky. So, yeah, we found a few issues, but all been corrected nice and safe now. But it's, um, yeah, we're very, very grateful uh, to Jay and, and to Josh for uh, being there for us, um, can't say enough and, and for the community. So, I mean, we went from 600 square feet to just shy of 3000. So that makes us one of the largest stores of our kind in at least Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm not sure about outside of that. I'm sure there's probably others, but, um, we are now finally big enough to, of course, bring in stuff, more stuff from all over the world. But, more importantly, that we have more space for the community. So we have a community space and we have two rooms um, for readers and healers, uh, which uh, is going to go down to one room, unfortunately, because this podcast is going to 
take up uh, one of the spaces uh, around December. We have where rooms are booked until um, end of November. We have a big triple header event coming November 25th. Woo-hoo! Definitely a don't miss. Um, but uh, after that, um, room one is is going to be the In the Weeds studio. Yes. So, but we still have one bookable room and one bookable event space. Um, when you're doing things for donations, we don't even charge you to book the room. It's, yeah. it's part of our service as well to the community. Even when we do charge, it's twenty five dollars. Yeah, it's twenty five dollars for the space, and if you're doing an event, it's twenty five dollars for the event space and twenty five percent of each ticket. We handle all the ticketing for you and unless all you, the entries. Unless you want to, you know, unless like you the want to, trans channeler that comes, she prefers to handle, and that's fine. Yeah, we'll work but, that out with you. You know, our our goal wasn't to monetize. Our goal was to bring people into the community bring the community here together. I think the the most fun we have, at least uh, I know for me, is, is is seeing people make connections, meeting new friends. Uh, becoming, Listening to the conversations. Yeah, becoming stronger together. Um, it's, it's fabulous, and it happens all the time. And we couldn't have done that in uh, the tiny space that we were in, so... It's it's uh it's expensive to have the bigger space and it, it hurts. <laughs> we appreciate you buying incense and stuff. It keeps <laughs> the lights on. Yeah. Um, but um, having those events and seeing the people um, is is reward, uh, very rewarding. I, I love it. It's no, my I favorite love, thing. I love being of service too. I think that's a blast to get to see that when they come in and they do these major events for groups like Queer Nipa. You know, or when we're raising money with Mary Ellen for the food pantry here in the summit. I love doing that. So if you've got something you want to promote in order to raise money for a good cause, like the recent floods or something of that nature, reach out to us. We've got the space and we can help you. So and because you're our community, we're always willing to open the doors. So. So we were on. um, We were very fortunate to be invited uh, last earlier this year, I think. Uh, to a getting to know the five seven zero podcast they're and awesome. and we just had an absolute blast with them. Um, they're so kind and uh, it was just a great experience all around. Um, but we we kind of told the story that we had already told here. I'm not sure if if it's as a repeat for you if you tuned into theirs and it's, it's a very popular podcast. But they do a great service and they in you know they interview local business owners in the five seven zero area code. Um, and love them for that. But we had such a good time um, that we were like, you know, I don't know of anything else uh, that, that might have uh, the impact. So we decided we, we would do a podcast. So, uh, tune in. Uh, make sure you follow us. Share us. Um, leave us a positive review. We want to bring in, um, you know, some guests. And uh, we're going to put a form on the website. If you'd like to be a guest, um, go ahead and submit it. Uh, we definitely want to talk to local folks um, as, as well as some bigger name folks who we uh, plan on bringing on. We have a wish list. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this podcast is is in the weeds. Uh, it's brought to you by Picky Weeds. And, um, We're your host, John. And Tay. And uh, we hope to hear from you again soon. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of In the Weeds, and we hope you didn't have to pick too much pucker brush off your cloak after visiting with us here. If you liked the episode, please follow, subscribe, and share. 
And if you're really kind, leave a positive review. Be sure to tune in next week as we publish a new episode weekly. If you're in the area, stop by the store and see us. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.